Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court issues. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, and today we're going to be talking with Dan, and he has issues he would like to discuss regarding the system by design, parental alienation, the silver bullet, and gaslighting, narcissism, and pathological lying. And Dan is our very special guest. And I would like to ask you, Dan, how are you doing tonight? I could do a whole lot better. <clears throat> well, that's okay. Uh, we're all, I think, I think even I'm having kind of a rough day myself. Um, what's been going on with you as far as the system by, by design? Why is the system designed? And we're, and we're talking the family court system. We're talking about children's services. It has good intentions, but it's flawed by human interference. So what do you think? Um, I, I truly believe there isn't enough checks and balances. And, and I don't believe that uh, the system itself is working because, like you said, it is flawed by human interference. And that human interference brings in bias uh, feelings in which uh, immunities enable the, the people to uh, continue with whatever they, they, they believe that they're doing by right. And, and everybody that goes into the system believes that they're doing the right thing. They're, they're doing uh, what they can and godly's work or God's work, godly work. Uh, but they're, they're subjecting their own biased feelings into each and every case. And I believe that, that there isn't enough checks and balances to maintain uh, uh, fairness and, 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 you know, they have policies and they have uh, all these rules in which they have to follow. But it seems like every, every case that I have looked through or looked at or read about or heard about, there's always some sort of issue in which there is, is something broken that, that isn't being fixed. And people are allowed to get away with it, so they're able to continue with it. And it's only not until now that it's actually being exposed, especially everywhere. Save the children. Um, you have all these, these, these posts and these problems being put on our social media platform, and the information is getting readily shared. And honestly, herd mentality is actually hurting the issues as well, because uh, everybody is jumping on the bandwagon with a new fad, or they're jumping on the bandwagon and, and not actually investigating. And that's also happening in, in family court and with CPS. They're, they're not investigating. They're jumping on the bandwagon. They, they want to uh, have that hero mentality. They're not really making a healthier society and it's becoming more corrupt because of it. And they're being blinded in, in their, their views of, of helping someone when, what was it? It wasn't even just today. I saw it again, 80, 80 to 88% of all traffic, human trafficking is, is coming from foster care, from CPS agencies. Exactly. All these children have open cases that they were removed and then they're in 
they're being rescued now. Uh, I can go on Facebook and, and see the posts of the statistics. There's like 200 children in Wyoming, 200 children in Virginia, you know, and the list keeps going on and on and on. And the problem is that there's these state incentives like Title IV-E and Title IV-D that keep it going. Not only that, there are, it's like James Weiss said, uh, he mentioned that a judge was giving incentives and bonuses to for, for CPS and to get quotas. Like, that isn't helping. Some of these, a lot of these families, I bet you a good 80% of all these stories that you read on CPS corruption, uh, fighter cries, uh, attorneys, uh, uh, for U.S. families, statutes for U.S. families, all these sites that are going up, 80% of these families are not need actual help, but instead of getting the help that they need and uh, to receive, they they they're going like in a backwards back trend and 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 taking the children away off of the most minute. Uh, allegation and blowing it out of proportion and not actually looking around anything surrounding this fact or the situation or they're not investing in outside sources uh, like you were saying the other day you said one-sided investigation and I'm like what is a one-sided investigation and I started looking into that I have the same situation, a one-sided investigation. And it even states in their protocols and policies that they must question neighbors, families, friends, anybody that had the child that day, prior to that day, and maybe even extend to a week. But in my situation, all they asked was the, the woman who made the allegations, who was in fact investigated to be drunk and high, off drugs and it's like did you guys even investigate her no you, you they don't need to investigate her she hotline she she's uh, anonymous she's immunity she has immunity but the children said she was drunk and high off drugs are you kidding me well and that's just it I, I mainly when people you know stand up for criminals that are in that position they're utilizing everything for profit it's all a profit game. But what is money going to really buy you in the end? <laughs> Your bond yeah. when you get caught? <laughs> <laughs> if they get caught. How about uh, that? <laughs> honestly. Honestly, yeah. And I also believe the family courts and CPS perpetuate parental alienation. Absolutely do. And in my situation, they, they have done exactly that. Um, you know, the... The mother uh, had the child and disappeared with her uh, when we were supposed to make a new life for each other. She, the child's been missing for six years. That there is parental alienation. Oh, she I'm moved so out of state. That is also illegal. When you have a child with someone, unless you have co family court paperwork with 100% custody, you can't even move down the street without notifying the other uh, parent. Otherwise, that is illegal. Right. And that, and, you know, I, I, the, the parental alienation is absolutely abused by the system because the system is being used to parental alienate. The parents are using the system 
with false allegations, all you got to do is make a phone call. It's anonymous. And guess what? You got full custody. You got immunity. And you got all the support from, from victims uh, association. Uh, you got the support from advocates. Everybody believes you because you're, you're saving the child. And it's, you know, and the person defending themselves, the targeted parent is defending themselves on the skin of their teeth and whatever pennies they could scrounge off their the, the under the couch and quite frankly that sh that should show right there perennial alienation and it, and it's being used in the courts with false allegations with with hotlining uh it's used for vengeance uh for narcissistic uh reasons um to get you know a free custody honestly family court is a lot of money i've heard people spending 30 grand to 130 grand. Even this guy that was a bona fide uh, rock missile specialist, ballistic specialist in the United States Navy or some, some he spent over $200,000 off of uh, uh, something that was mistooken by the CPS, which anybody, any household would take an instant. And quite frankly, anybody could say anything about anybody and and start the process and honestly why would you use it there, there there's only one reason to parental alienate is to get is 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 to get custody or um <clears throat> so is to hide something honestly and I don't think anyone should be allowed to hide anything. I think if you're going to call in a false accusation, you should be forced to give your name. And that would definitely cut down on a lot of stupidity and corruption, frivolous, fraudulent accusations. And I really do believe that they need to not only do a drug test on everybody. <laughs> I really do. I agree. I agree. Uh, they need to do thorough FBI background checks. I'm sorry, but even when uh, I, I went to classes or, or and to get uh, certified and licensed as an EMT, you have to have a thorough background check, an FBI background check, nonetheless. So why not if a child is in a situation and if it was imminent danger or if there was danger, why isn't the child just taken by the police? You know. Right. CPS, see if they really don't ha they, they they get a doctorate and then they they can become a cps worker they don't have a psychology degree they don't have an investigation degree they don't have a degree in criminology they don't have a degree in uh psychology none of that they're not specialized or, or uh what, what's the word um they're not even specialized in psychology well um, they're not even professionals they're just no, the, showing a video and said, you're the hero. Go save some children. Right. And they're just inept caseworkers. A lot of them are. I'm sorry to say, but that's all I've ever seen. And they're just, they're destroying families with these one-sided interviews. And there's no justice. And the judges buy it, hook, line, and sinker. And whatever yeah. this caseworker says, the judge agrees with. <laughs> And honestly, qualified. They're not even qualified. No, they're not. And parental alienation is so new and so uh, under-researched uh, that, that 
you really need a specialist at this point to look at a case. But now that the information is getting out and I educated myself, anybody can on parental animation and the signs are there and it's really easy to catch. Uh, the other state's court literally caught my child's mother lying in court, committing perjury under oath. And I even went as far as to bust out notarized paperwork when she denied she signed anything. And I was like, judge, uh, that's her signature. And he's like, uh, well, we need a professional um, signature analyst to uh, verify that. I said, oh, okay, it was notarized. Here's the notary, but we'll put that aside for now. And he was like, uh-huh, busted. Mm -hmm. But it's like she said, she, she, even in court records, you know, perennial alienation was used in court and to the point where the judge told her enough is enough. This is, this is nothing but a family court case and you're going to give him visitation rights, whether you like it or not. And she didn't like that. And she said, I want a four year restraining order and boom, perennial alienation. And what and to put the cherry on the top, she told him, I don't want him visiting his daughter until she's 18 and on her own. Boom. Oh yes, that's terrible. He oh. told her straight out, this is nothing but a family court case. What are we even doing here? Oh, good. So and and it shows. So judges are catching on and, and the courts are catching on, but not everybody is a specialist in their field and they need to look at the whole situation and not just what was said. He said, she said, hearsay. Honestly, documentation, facts, proof, evidence, witnesses, that all comes into a whole. And once you get that whole, you're not going to find out where the parental alienation is, what it's being used for, and when it, they're going to be using it. Because it's all a surprise attack. It's a surprise smear campaign. And that's exactly what I was hoping you would say, because <laughs> I heard it out of your mouth in another interview. You were blindsided right there at work on the phone, and you had to go back to work, and so you hung up on her. I just wanted to say something real quick. Yeah, so parent, parent alienation, alienating, whatever. Um, as my abusive mother. So abusive parents use false allegations for of uh, parental alienation to gain the upper hand in court, basically. Yes, and she really did. When she saw that she could not fight this in family court with the evidence and documentation that I had, what did she use? The silver bullet. Well, it's allegations. You gotta have allegations. You can't go into court and testify without evidence. So, I mean, it's, it's these court hearings are basically hearsay. Absolutely. Exactly. No, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, you got you can't testify unless there's evidence to testify to or it's allegation. The judge can't even see a case. If there's no evidence, they have to dismiss the case that hearing. Mm-mm. Man, man. Oh man. <laughs> but some of these judges are still hearing these cases. This is what concerns me. <laughs> maybe for educational purposes, maybe for further mediation in which they can 
correct other cases. I do know that they do not want you to appeal and take it to a higher court because then their rulings will be scrutinized and they do not want that. So it could be for, like I said, educational purposes or, or for a better direction and terminology in which they have to apply to the legality in which they are sitting in. And quite frankly, I don't want to be a lawyer. I don't want to be a judge. I've seen things go in and out of that court and how they play the game. And all it feels like is drama, 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 Springer, you know, Jerry Springer show with, with Billy Mays as the infomercial, but wait, there's more. And it's like, Oh my God, when does it end? I think it ends when they totally destroy the family and they get their incentives, monies, and they move on to the next case. Honestly, that's most likely the truth. I really don't know at this point in time. I'm still on the fence about a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, I've only been destroyed by the system in the past year and a half, and I've been absolutely blind to it. And it's like you said in the very beginning, unless it happens to you, you really don't know. Uh, you have no clue. You don't want nothing a part of it. What did that family do to have CPS involved? And like I said before, all it takes is, is a, a sneeze of, of you, you, uh, harmed your daughter or son in some way and and like the stuff hits the fan and everybody jumps on it and that that and, go ahead oh go uh, and they jump on that bandwagon real fast too uh, especially the, yeah you're right and, the, and that you know if you have the right person uh that is narcissistic or wanting to get their way in any way they're going to use that silver bullet to uh, get their way fully for free, especially if they don't want any cost to them. And like I said, it's like 30,000 to 130,000, 200 grand in a family court. If you really want your kids, it's who spends the most money is going to get them. And, but if you can get that silver bullet in a, a false allegation, you, you got a free ride. And nobody exactly. looks about, at anything surrounding the situation, anything dealing with the situation, the one-sided investigation. They don't look at any of the situation that might occur to bring up what you're in right now. And, and it's like I, I said before, you know, uh, the mother ran from investigations on her own. The, the, my child's been missing for six years. The mother did the mother and uh, other dad did something, dropped the daughter in my lap, and here I am dropping my life to pick up the pieces like hi little girl, what am I supposed to do with you and you know two states are telling me good luck, have fun uh, until you get paperwork from us, uh, consider an open investigation on the mother and the boyfriend and and uh, you're on your own you know consider the case open and until you get paperwork from us uh don't ever give her back to her, her parents and and it wasn't me that did anything but the mother blames me for everything that happened to her and it's like uh you know right right and that's what narcissists do is they put the blame all on the other person but that's the thing the child was telling teachers and friends and family all these stories i didn't even know about it until I had a knock at my door and 
And then I started investigating, truly investigating, pouring all my money. I'm like, I am almost living out of a cardboard box right now, trying to figure out what happened. And I'm hiring, you know, I, I got Chris Banks from Versatile Paralegal Services, Monica Grego from uh, uh, Ladies for Justice, Legal Shield. I got, I got the Gay Rights Act. Gay rights act advocacy group, you know, I got these these nationals investigating the story, reading the story, taking my evidence and information. Alex Lockwood, oh my God, I can't I can't turn my back on that dude or James White, but they 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 took the evidence, they they looked at the situation, they did their investigations, and they're like, I, I even had my investigation fees waived. I am telling the absolute truth. They. The mother blames me for what happened to her and, and what, you know, the people are going after her for, but the child has a different story or the child is the one doing it, you know, telling her story. And then I'm finding out about it, but I'm getting the blame for it from all the angles. And it's like, is anybody actually investigating this? And and knitted, nobody investigated. Uh, all the witnesses told the investigators that nobody has come to question them. Nobody. Right. See, and this is what the public needs to hear is what's going on in not just your case, but this is happening, I'm sure, to other people. And and you brought up an interesting um, word, gaslighting, and a lot of people don't realize what gaslighting is. And I really didn't know what it was until maybe three years ago. <laughs> but gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation in which a group of people or a person just sow seeds of doubt in a targeted person, making them question their own memory, perception, or judgment. Often For sanity. Sanity. Oh, yes. Uh, and often evoking in them cognitive dissonances and other changes, including low self-esteem. And that's a big one that they prey on. And that's also what the narcissist will prey on is uh, building and crushing down, I'm sorry, cr crushing down your self-esteem using denial, misdirection, contradiction. And gaslighting involves attempts to destabilize the victim and delegitimize the victim's beliefs. Now, what's really interesting about this is this term originated from the British play Gaslight in 1938, which I never knew. I had to look this up and, and it was very unusual because apparently in the play, the husband kept turning down the gaslight uh, each night and the wife kept saying, well, but the room, it's, it's getting darker. No, it's not. It's not getting darker. And and the next oh. night, it, the room's getting darker. No, no, it's it's your it's your imagination, and that's what gaslighting is, and that's how that came out to you know play. And a lot when you mention narcissists, and narcissists frequently use gaslighting tactics to abuse and undermine, you know, cl close family members, and they're. Narcissists are basically even sociopaths, in my opinion. I'm not a psychologist, but that's just Actually, my Actually, a lot of articles that I have read have uh, associated gaslighting and narcissism, malicious mother syndrome, all to be uh, in a pattern of sociopaths. Mm -hmm. I think... Right. 
I think a, a lot of it stems back to uh, that, like you said, control and manipulation. And and when they're not in control or, or manipulating the situation to what they see that is beneficial to them and what they think their ideal of living is, uh, that's when they turn on you and you really don't want someone like that turning on you because that's when the silver bullet is fired and then the exactly. parental alienation comes in and then they abuse the system, which is already broken and doesn't know about the other uh, categories. Right. And gaslighting can occur in a parent child relationship with either parent, mother or father, you know, uh, both lying to the other and attempting to undermine the perceptions of the child. Absolutely. Very disgusting. It really, it really is. Well, like, like for example, um, you know, the, when I had a conversation with the other boyfriend three and a half years ago, he told me, or he, he told uh, my daughter something and he was asking questions if me and the mother were in the, uh, sleep in the same bed together. If we had our clothes on, he was asking her, uh, he was telling her that I'm the roommate. He's, he's the dad still. And, uh, uh, don't tell dad this, don't tell your mommy this. And then she was telling me how her mother was telling her, don't tell daddy, but we're going to make him leave. And we're going to go live with, uh, your other dad. And, you know, it, you know, it, it got really out of hand. And even when she was in my custody and on the phone, I, okay, I was told I'm not allowed to let her see her mother. I'm not allowed to have, let her have physical contact. I'm not allowed to let her have her, period. Under any circumstances, the mother is never allowed to have the child back. And I understood that. But this is a woman's child she gave birth to. Whether the mother committed murder or she was Hitler, this, you know, I, in my mind, I should at least write her or call her. And they didn't say it wasn't okay to call. So I allowed her to call her until I caught her one day. She, uh, she said mommy was saying some weird stuff. And then she put her mother on speakerphone. And I, that very last sentence, uh, what was it? Uh, your, your father kidnapped you. He's keeping you from us. He won't let you talk to anybody. You know what to do if you want to come home. And then I took the phone from my daughter and I told the mother, I said, listen, I can't have you talking to the ch a child that way. You know, you are under an open investigation. I'm not even supposed to allow you to have her or see her in person. I'm allowing this, these phone calls, but I can't do that anymore. I, you know, you can't be telling that to a nine-year-old little girl. And I hung up the phone and I said, did she really say I kidnapped you? And the child told, said to me, uh, yeah, she, she always lies. Uh, she's a lying B word. And I'm like, where did you learn that language? And she's like, oh, the other boyfriend. And I'm like, oh, oh my no. God. Because I guess supposedly she did she had made allegations against him to get him out of the house. And he was telling me how she took 10 grand from him, oh, no. but she was also going to another state with her girlfriend and getting high with her on meth. And like, she had this whole narcissistic system of manipulation where she would jump from boyfriend to girlfriend whenever she get caught. Mm. And 
and and like he said, it's all transferring down to the child. The child is learning it. The child is 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 becoming part of the child's behavior. Exactly. Exactly. You said it right there. They start learning from the narcissist and the the brainwashing. And they also just will become and take on narcissistic traits. And I think And I try to stop that. Right. And you try, but but can you stop it? That's the the sad part is I I don't think it can be stopped if they're spending more time with that narcissist. And I think in the school systems, they should be doing a little psychology 101 class in the eighth grade, the 10th, 11th, and 12th grades talking about personality disorders. Ah, absolutely, yes. And it should also involve parental alienation and discussing this with the kids you know, the narcissistic personality disorder, the borderline, things like that. Because that way, when they go out into the world, they may have a boss that is a narcissist who treats them bad and is highly demanding and demeaning. And they they need to defend themselves. They need the tools and the education too. Exactly. And I think that's something we should also be pushing for is these classes starting in eighth grade, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade about personality disorders and parental alienation. Well, they, they do, uh, in 11th grade, I do remember, I know it was like 23 years ago, but I do remember psychology. There was uh, split personalities, uh, disassociation. There, you know, psychology class was one of the majors that you had to take like English and government. And, and they did speak, they didn't do parental alienation, but they did like, like, I remember the, the whole thing about Charles Manson, don't fall into a cult, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I remember that. I remember that part. They, they did talk about cults, but back when I went to high school, they weren't talking about personality disorders. Even when I was a new nurse, now I was a, I was a psychiatric nurse. I said, what is a personality disorder? And I was working with seasoned nurses that had been nurses for like, I don't know, 15 years or so. But they said, well, they're just a-holes. And I said, oh, okay. (laughs) That's what a personality disorder is. But they didn't say, wait a minute, there's a number of them, like a narcissist, a borderline. Of course, I did learn borderline there, but, but we saw the bad, very acute cases, acute chronic cases of borderline personality disorders i really honestly think i have that type of situation uh like you could show her a picture of uh, like like her boyfriends and girlfriends will hold up or send me pictures or they'll put it on their profiles of them you know they're clothed but they're in bed together and i don't know why they have to get pictures of together but but facing each other they get the pictures together or they're snuggling they get the pictures boyfriends and girlfriends when i'm busting her out with this i'm like you said it was just you and the child and and but you're dating this person here you're dating that person there here's two pictures that's you no that's not me i don't know who that is i never met that person I don't like her anyways. She does drugs. She does meth. And it's like, what? Right. In in a way, that's weird gaslighting, denying the photograph. Oh, or the signature. Not, the right? signature is notarized. You have at, at, at the bank, the, the notar has your signature, has to look at your driver's license, verify it to you, and, and before he can stamp it with a notar. That is your signature in the books. Oh, that's not my signature. She told this to the judge 
in court, that is not my signature. I don't know whose that is. It's not mine, but it's notarized. Yeah. These people have a very bad problem with pathological lying, which a narcissist is very, very good at. I've seen it in a courtroom. It's, it's pretty scary <laughs> when they're lying, just a bald-faced lie in a courtroom, and the judge just goes along with it. And what are they going to do when they get the truth? When, when the truth comes out and the truth is out, what are you, you going to do? Well, you, well, you're caught, and you're still denying it, but you're, you're, you're like, it, it's, it's the truth in your face. It's like being hit by a Mack truck. You can't avoid it. You're, you're cemented where you are. You just got to take it, and what are you going to do with it? Continue with it? You can't. But, she, well, the, but they do. They do, and the judge allows it. And in some cases, there's bias and collusion. Sometimes you do have a fair judge. Not all judges are bad. Uh, not all attorneys are bad. But judges, when they hear the truth, at least in my case, I was despised for telling the truth. Oh, is that why everybody hates me? <laughs> That's why everybody hates you. Yeah, once you start telling the truth, then you become hated and that's where they'll start to use slander because they they know okay the truth is presented before me so now let's try another tactic let's try slander that's so but that's bowl. not going to work that it, it, but it's not going to work if you got witnesses and documentation and and all this evidence and information and you're getting put down and put down when does it stop i would like to know when it does stop i would like oh to my know. goodness um, <laughs> the thing is that, you know, like some people are very good at picking the right attorney who knows they're going to be going before a judge that is an acquaintance friend. Oh, no, that's conflict of interest. He's got well, to recuse but, himself. Oh, but they don't. Oh, no. I heard. I heard. I know about you. <laughs> you know all about me. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I do my research. <laughs> and that's... You know, it's just unfortunate for the kids because they have no, even if they're telling the judge what they want, what they need, the judge is going to make up his own mind based yeah. on what a caseworker is saying. And, and you, you, it doesn't matter if you sit down and have a uh, intervention either. You, I had her mother and friends and family who caught her and they, once she comes in, everybody backstab me and turn turn face and and you can't enable that you, you got to get these people help and the only way to get them help is honestly put them in a straitjacket and throw them in a insane side <laughs> i don't right. know what else to say <laughs> exactly exactly uh they'll tell you to go get a psychological evaluation but when if there's collusion there they'll just get a psychological evaluation from a friend, which is going to be pristine, of course, yeah. when you know it's, it should not be. Uh, there's just so many injustices in these family courtrooms. That's why I would like to see video cams and tamper-proof mics in these courtrooms. I 100% support that. Why aren't we allowed to videotape for our own defense and, and uh, uh, safety? as they are uh, well who was that gosh darn it i forgot who i was w watching uh they were actually tampering yeah it was in the news 
they were tampering with court records to rule in the judge's favor or uh, in his way, and they were caught doing so. Gosh, I, can, I wish I can remember more details about it. I just skimmed through it. Exactly. And, you know, when will people put aside their ego, their self-preservate, their selfishness, and start thinking about others? And that's another big problem. And, and as far as tampering with these mics, that's a form of selfishness in itself. And that's why I want the tamper-proof mics in, because when you go to report a judge for, say, conflict of interest, whatever, Mm -hmm. at least pull these tapes and they're yeah. there for a review board to look at not just you know in, in an appeal it doesn't matter what you say in court it doesn't matter what was said if it's not on paper it didn't happen and in an appeal they look at the paperwork and the paperwork alone at least with a video or microphone or audio recording people can look at that, hear and feel what people were saying. And I understand that completely because I only just learned that the judge is not only a referee, but he's a psychologist. And he's looking at every single person to see who's telling the truth and who isn't. And it went even further. To when I was in a court date, I was watching one of the witnesses. And the uh, the guy that was defending himself was shaking his head saying to his lawyer, I can hear him say she's lying. And she was, she was looking up at the, the ceiling. She was looking down at the ground and she, um, uh, um, I don't recall. I blacked out for two hours and honestly, you know, I shouldn't probably say anything else, but the fact of the matter is they are, it's a theater for them. It, it's a, it's a movie for them and they are deciding who is right and wrong, let alone who's following the law and what is law. Exactly. And, you know, we, we think about the future. Um, I think you and I have talked like, where do we see ourselves in 10, 20 years from now? And well, what is there going to be there for our children to look forward to if they should find themselves in a courtroom in the same predicament? Well, if we don't, if things don't change now, they're going to be in the same situation we're in. And if you have read some of these statistics, I'm sure you have, because uh, a lot of the stuff that I, I learn is off your own uh, uh, website and information. Um, it is actually stated that CPS keeps a five generation abuse case in your family. So if your grandfather was abused, you, your grandchildren, your grandchildren's grandchildren will still have an open case uh, for first first contact for any hint of abuse. Now, if you're your child, they will take that generation again, and they always extend it five generations. So no matter what, our children are in danger. If you have ever had a false allegation or any type of situation that involves uh, uh, the system, they will keep your entire generation on record for five generations. That's scary. That is scary. And so unless we fix the system now, unless we do something, stand up, save our children, and look at, at what needs to change, it's not about what, what is going to be changed. It's about doing it now because it is broken. Nothing is getting fixed when our children grow into the system and, and they're going to face the same situations. Uh, you know, honestly, if you look at it, 
the, you know, the system targets uh, the the welfare, the poorer, the the middle class and lower, because they can keep them in the system because they can't fight their way out. And most of the people that can't afford the system buy their way out. Honestly, if you look at it, eighty mm-hmm. percent of all these children are, are that, that are found being trafficked are from have open cases are from the court system, the, the family system, the CPS system, they're all tied back. And if you look at their families and their family situation, or I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be as nefarious as that. I, or I shouldn't say that, but if you can't fight the system, you're not knowledgeable or you don't have the money to find someone to fight the system for you, you're not going to win. And that's wrong. What is right is right. What is the truth is truth. And until we can fix the system to where we're investigating the whole story and nothing but the story and nothing but the truth, it's just going to keep lining someone else's pocket. And as it sits with Title 4D or E and, and, and these incentives and bonuses, people are going to say money's money. Right. People are going to say what they want. And Title 4B is the CPS. They, they get their incentives. <laughs> and not it's only a, that, qualified immunity. Oh, are you kidding me? The only person that actually has qualified immunity in this entire United States of America is a juror. A juror has qualified immunity. If you look it up, you Google it right now, a juror has the right to dictate, manipulate, the laws based on facts and evidence that is presented to them and they get to decide whether the constitutional rights or immunities applies to them or the defendant or or anybody in that courtroom if they're innocent they're guilty uh why they are why they aren't um the juror is the only people that actually has qualified immunity right well, you know, there's other case laws um, that I can throw out is Walsh versus Erie County Department of Job and Family Services. Um, that is one where the caseworkers um, were trying to say that they didn't know they were making a mistake <laughs> when in fact they, they knew uh, what was going on. I know I'm not wording that right because I can't find it in my. I vaguely remember. I vaguely remember it too. And and the 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 fact of the matter is, they're not going to say they were wrong because that opens a lawsuit. They're not going to say they made a mistake because that opens a lawsuit in which they lose money. They lose. They lose money. They actually are uh, federally funded uh, based off of how many children they could take. So one child is three grand, 3,500, three grand. And okay. So it goes like this. They get an open case. That's three grand federal grant money. They put the child in foster home. That's another what? Two, three grand. The child gets adopted. That's what? 20, 30 grand. And it stacks. It's terrible. It's. And they get to see how they get to spend it, how they see fit. 
And it's, it's got to come to an end because the taxpayers need to know where their money's going. And I was going to say, Dan, do you have any closing remarks you would like to make? We need to achieve that better tomorrow. We need to put aside our egos. We need to learn that self-preservation and selfishness is not the way the world works. We need to find a better tomorrow for our children today. Exactly. Well said. Well said. Rich, do you have anything you'd like to add? Uh, Not really. Okay. I'm going to conclude. Uh, Slam the Gavel is a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in the family courtrooms that in turn perpetuate parental alienation. I am your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption. And please join us again in the future for another exciting episode. Thank you.